Amen. A couple things. First of all, when that slide comes up about Utah, have you noticed it's pointing the wrong direction? Utah's that way. So just don't get mixed up. We know where to go with this missions conference. Secondly, uh, this missions international meal, I hope that you will join us for that, not just because I thoroughly enjoy eating the various dishes, but I love having you come. Don't get, uh, uh, don't get uh, uh, intimidated thinking, well, I don't know anything international. You understand that American food is international. It's okay. Bringing food. So just plan on bringing food at this, and we'll have a great time together. I am so excited about our missions conference this year, and I trust that you will mark it off on your calendar and plan on being here for every service that we have as um, I'm praying that God will do a work in our hearts, stirring us for missions. Yes, around the world, but here as well, reaching folks for Christ. That's the heartbeat of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for being here tonight. What a blessing. Guys, thank you for that. What an incredible blessing. You won't see that too often, folks. Boys playing the piano in public and brothers playing the piano in public. So you need to mark this down. This is incredible. Praise the Lord. Good job. Good job. 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Another message on an end times survival guide. I've shared this with you. I don't know if we are taking breaths in the very last days of the last days. I don't know for sure. Is the Lord coming tonight, tomorrow? I don't know. Um, he's not telling anyone. It's going to be a surprise. The rapture is going to be a surprise. But we're to live our lives as if he were coming and to be motivated to serve the Lord with our energies as if he were coming soon. We do know that in the end times, things are going to get worse and worse. The Bible says that. And I believe that we can see that by simply turning on the news. Better thought, don't even turn on the news. Just realize that things are getting really bad out there. And uh, what I, that doesn't surprise me. Things getting bad out there, that doesn't surprise me. What does surprise me is how that influences us. That surprises me. How we let so much of the societal uh, philosophy get into us. That's what bothers me and concerns me. Tonight, your faith under attack. That's my message. I want to read just a couple of verses. We'll pray and then I'll get into the message. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and beginning in verse number 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your love and the sweet time we have had in your house tonight. My heart rejoices, Lord, seeing young guys being willing to serve you. I pray, Lord, that you might be honored and glorified by all that is accomplished tonight. Lead me now. I pray that this might be your message. I pray that you might work in our hearts. Dear Lord, prepare us. Prepare us for what you have for us. Lord, we know that the time is short, and we are to be redeeming the time. And so motivate us to do your will, I pray. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. After their own lusts, they shall heap to themselves teachers. Why? Because they will not endure sound doctrine. 
sound doctrine. There is a definite change in churches today. I've been around long enough to see a decline. And not just churches, but in church attendance, in good churches, going down. Good people, good people love the Lord, but they're just not prioritizing the church in their life like they once did. I've said this many times, but there are so many articles out there now of people identifying and recognizing that the average church attendance, the average church goer, has declined significantly. It wasn't that many years ago that the average church member in a decent church was there pretty much every Sunday morning unless they were on vacation. And many of them came back with a very good percentage on Sunday night. And Wednesday nights, go figure, Wednesday nights had good, strong attendances. But we've all seen how the attendances have begun to wane. Did COVID play a part of that? Yes, COVID played a part. I think it revealed what was already happening there. Paul says in the end times, they're not going to endure sound doctrine any longer. Those truths in the scriptures that step on their toes, they're going to go someplace where their toes are not stepped on. They're going to go to a feel-good ministry. They're going to go someplace where they can all link hands and sway back and forth and sing kumbaya and boy, you leave this place feeling really good. And by the way, I have no problem with kumbaya. <laughs> They're chasing after a feeling and oh my goodness, I have a hard time criticizing this too much because I like to feel good. I don't like feeling bad. How about you? I like waking up in the morning and being energized, ready to charge the day. I love rolling out of bed and not having any aches and pains and saying, whoa, this is the day the Lord hath made. I remember that happening 15 years ago. I like feeling. I like feeling good like the next person. But the end times, they're going to make decisions based upon their feeling. And they're going to be directed by and led by and make theological decisions based upon how it feels. God's people were so backslidden. In the Old Testament, they loved the guilt-free message of the false prophets. In Jeremiah 5, verse 31, the prophets prophesy falsely. And the priests bear rule by their means. And my people love to have it so. God says, my people love it. When we, they sit under the preaching of the false prophets. Why? Because they feel good. They don't step on their toes. Paul described in Galatians going from being a welcome hero to an enemy because he spoke the truth. In Galatians 4.15, where is then the blessedness ye spake of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, ye would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. That's how much they loved him. But am I therefore become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth, something changed. From the time Paul showed up and they loved him, to now they're treating him like an enemy because of some of the truths that he said were stepping on their toes. 
chasing after a feeling in the end times. Even willing to accept watered-down truth, and even fiction. They shall be turned, the Bible says here, unto fables. I looked it up. Interesting Greek word. Mythos is the Greek word. Mythos. M-Y-T-H-O-S. We would transliterate it. Of course, we get the English word myth from that word. Myths. They were willing to hear preaching and teaching that was unfounded and even untrue instead of truth from God's word. Sadly, young Christians by the thousands have left biblically sound churches where they can go and hear a short sermonette about how to get along in the world because of the entertainment they receive there. Our mainstream public schools are producing illiterate graduates, while our modern churches are pumping out spiritual infants. We're in the era of the Church of the Month Club. You go to a church until you find something they don't like about it, and then you move on to another one, always looking for the one that makes you feel the best. Paul spoke of the loss of a good man. And though we cannot see it in the black and white print, you have to feel the heartbreak of Paul when he writes in, in, in Colossians 4 and verse 14, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. He was a fellow laborer. And then in Philemon 1, 23 and 24, there salute thee, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers, men who served alongside of Paul. In 2 Timothy 4.10, For Demas hath forsaken me. Having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Demas abandoned Paul because of his love for the world. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse number 1, it reads, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, he says, turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead, captive, lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, reprobate, concerning the faith. So what you see in this list here is a description of truth resistors. He says the end times are going to be those that, that cannot take the truth. It's too much for them. They, they can't take sound doctrine. They're called truth resistors here. We learn that they're out for themselves. They're proud. They're despisers of those that are good. They look down on those that are good. They're lovers of pleasures. Having a form of godliness, they know 
They know when to be a church. They know what words to speak. They know the songs to sing. They know how to look right, a form of godliness, but denying the very power thereof. There's a warning, a strong warning to truth resistors. Paul says, from such, turn away. Keep away from these hypocrites. Don't be influenced by them. He gives an example. Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these resist the truth. Well, who is this Janus and Jambres? We find them back in Exodus chapter 7, verse 10. And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh. And they did so as the Lord had commanded, and Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. Now the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. Or they mimicked the work of God to make light of it. They were used to help harden Pharaoh's heart, and they were used to deceive hearts. We believe, commentators believe, that among these were Janus and Jambres. In Matthew 24, verse 24, For there shall arise false prophets, and false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect, the very body of Christ. I watched here not that long ago. It's been several years. In fact, it was before I came out here, but not long before I came out here, I watched a debate, at least part of a debate, between an evangelical leader and a Mormon leader. And the debate basically was the accusation that they believed in two different Jesuses. And the Mormon was out there to defend the fact that in the Mormon religion, they have the same Jesus that evangelicals have. And so the point of the evangelical was to come and say, no, you don't. Your Jesus is different. The evangelical had so many things he could have said. The Mormons believed that Jesus was a created being that became a God. Well, we don't believe that. Jesus wasn't created. John 1.1, Jesus always has been. Jesus wasn't made a God. Jesus is God. And that's just the beginning. But do you know, in that debate, it turned out to be nothing more than a love fest where the evangelical repeatedly said, it seems to me like there is no difference between your Jesus and my Jesus. Now that's critical because if you don't have the right Jesus, you don't have salvation. In 1 Timothy 4.1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing or deceiving spirits and doctrines of devils. This, this departing from the faith, the word depart here is where we would get the word apostasy. There's an, there's an apostasy going, a falling away from the faith. A great departing. The word depart here means to, to remove or instigate a revolt, to desert or to draw away from. There's going to be a trend in the end times 
of turning away in 2 Timothy 4, 4. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. They'll be hearing the truth and they'll get to a place where they just can't endure it. They'll turn their ears away. In the end times, there'll be a falling away. We see this Second Thessalonians 2, 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. There will also be a departing away in the end times. Hebrews 3.12 Take heed, brethren, that there, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Obviously, there's a similarity between all three of these. In end times, there will be a turning away, a falling away, a departing from truth from the very reality of Christ. There'll be a great seduction. The word here means deception. I have never seen as clearly the deception as I'm seeing it today. The, the, the blindness in some people that they honestly cannot see the truth. You give them the truth, and it's as if you're not speaking. They just don't get it at all. A complete blindness to the truth. It's not going to get better. In 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers, deceptors, shall wax worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. We live in a nation where deception is rampant. Have you had an attempt of being scammed lately? Huh, land. I land. They want your identity and they want it badly. They're going to try every way possible to get your identity. Whether it be a phone call or an internet, for the, the uh, email or a text message, some way to try to scam you out of money. You hear these tragic reports of, of, of ladies, little old ladies that, that are on fixed income, and they were scammed out of thousands of dollars. Pick up the phone, and the person in the line says, is this, is this so-and-so? You're, you're, my, you're my grandma. You're my aunt. And listen, I'm overseas right now, and, and we had a horrible thing happen, and, and we can't get back now, and I don't have enough money to get back home. Is there any way that you can wire me $1,000? One lady lost $30,000. You say, well, I wouldn't be that dumb. I wouldn't be that foolish. Well, I hope not. I hope you wouldn't be. But statistically, they're being very effective at this, so somebody's doing it. Many are falling to this. Deceivers, worse and worse. Deceit will be subtle, distorting the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 11:3, but I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. So your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. I worry, I fear, Paul said. I'm fearful. If it happened to Eve in the garden, if the one with no sin whatsoever 
the one that was walking and talking with God was beguiled, was deceived. Then aren't we vulnerable, he says? I fear, I fear. Deceit sometimes will come in the form of spiritual leaders. In 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Did you notice? They're transforming themselves. Christ didn't do it. It's not a God work, it's themselves. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Many years ago now, we had a young evangelist across our platform that really knew how to preach. Fireball! Wow, he'd only been preaching for a few years, but he was hot. Wow, could he preach. Just an incredible revival service we had with him. I just lost contact with him through the years. Every once in a while, I'd hear just a little, a little snippet or news about what he was doing. And, and he had he'd taken a turn where he was listening to and, and getting involved in some music that I, I couldn't involve myself with. His church that he pastored, he brought in, he brought in a lot of rock music and all. But but the, the the message, the message was still good. Well, I just this past week, just this past week, I was doing a search on something else, and his name popped up. And he has now left the Baptist movement completely. He considers himself a charismatic. He's now full time into casting out demons. Supposedly. Deceit will sometimes come in the form of spiritual leaders. Now that bothered me, but what bothered me more are, is the enormous crowd following that he had. There'll be doctrines of devils, and I spent a message talking about doctrines of devils, but in Colossians 2.18 it says, Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head, capital H, from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of God. He begins here talking about a voluntary humility. I think he's talking about a pseudo-piety. Someone, someone who believes in asceticism or, or that they, they, if, they, if, they, uh, if they discipline the body enough, that makes them religious. I'm pleasing God by denying myself of all kinds of material pleasures. Vows of poverty. I'll, I'll please God by giving up all money. Worshiping of angels. It's interesting how many cults have this, worshiping of angels, as a part of their religion. The cults typically present Jesus in a lesser position than the head. In the head. Here it says, and not holding the head, capital H from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered. In other words, Jesus is the head of the church. He is the head. 
Jesus is the leader. He is the head. But most cults do not put him on the head, meaning they don't submit themselves to him. Oh, they'll refer to him. He was a, he was a prophet. He was a good man, but unwilling to submit to his leadership. Doctrines of devils. We see truth even being ridiculed in the end times. And Titus 1, 9 and following, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine, both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, or Jews, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not, for filthy lucre's sake. These unruly and vain talkers are disobedient, insubordinate, senseless talkers. In Jude 1.18, we learn that mocking the truth will increase in the end times. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. And of course, mocking will be destructive. In Acts 20 and 29, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Yesterday, Friday, Friday morning, I received a phone call. Pastor, did you know, and no, I did not know. Did you know, you had perhaps you've heard, that Thompson Valley School System has hired, made a new hire. And this new hire has been hired to conduct staff training on transgender issues. This new hire, according to the articles, Many articles now I saw is a self-proclaimed gender queer shapeshifter witch. Now, that didn't mean anything to me other than the witch. I knew what that is, but the rest of it didn't mean a whole lot to me, so I started looking it up. Well, you can imagine the first part, that shapeshifter. Uh, I'm not into these new games. There's a lot of these new games out there that, that get really witchy. A lot, a lot of witchcraft involves in a lot of, the, a lot of the games out there. Well, apparently one of these um, is, is, uses this, this shape-shifting. And shape-shifter is a person who's able to change their physical form at will. So they can be this appearance, and by simply changing their will, they can change their face into somebody else's or into an animal. This teacher is a self-proclaimed shape-shifter witch. Hired to teach the staff at our local public schools how to deal with their students. Mocking will be destructive in the end times. So what's our defense against the attacks? Well, gratefully, as it always did, does, the Bible gives us the answer. It gives us the solution. And let me give you what the Bible has to say. First of all, in 2 Timothy 4, 2 and 3, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Timothy, there's going to come a time where they will no longer pay attention to your preaching. What do I do, Paul? What do I do? Preach the word. Preach it anyway. 
You preach it in season. You preach it out of season. You preach when they're listening. You preach when they're not listening. You preach when they're awake and when they're sleeping. You preach the word. Be faithful to preach the word, he says. Boldly proclaim the word. The word here, preach. Several, several words translated preach. One, this particular one means to herald or to like a public crier, to cry aloud with the truth. Faithfully proclaim the word. You do it when it's popular. And when it seems like everybody's on your side and believing what you say and you preach the word when it's unpopular, all of a sudden the countenances fall. I think I told you by a funeral that I preached in Rockford, and the person that passed away was, was, was a saved believer. They'd asked me to do the funeral. What I didn't realize is they were the only person saved in the whole family. It was an Italian family, very Italian. And you can imagine the church affiliation there. And when, as I always do at a funeral, when I started preaching the gospel, all of a sudden, one by one, I looked around and their countenances went from this to this. I saw the arms crossing. I saw the head shaking back and forth like this. And oh, if looks could have killed. I was not welcome in that room any longer. It was obvious. But Paul said, you've got to preach the truth. You've got to preach it in good days and bad days. Reprove with the word. That means sometimes you've got to expose fault. You've got to expose sin and preach sin like the Bible preaches sin. You've got to rebuke what the word means to admonish or exhort. We're to continue in 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15 and 16. It says, but continue thou. You've got to continue in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Then he says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Timothy, since you were a young child, you grew up in a home where you heard the truth. Now remain faithful to that truth. Continue now in strong biblical preaching. Stay rooted firmly in biblical teaching. Continue. The word continue here means to abide, to dwell, to remain, to stay. Stay in what you've learned. There's one of the important reasons of being in a good church. It's building precept upon precept. Line upon line. Little by little. You don't come to church and all of a sudden, well, I know it all now. Any more than I know it all. Every time I go and prepare a message, I learn. I learn and learn and learn. I just eat this up. I love it. But then the next week rolls around, and I've got, I've got to study all this time again and learn new stuff. The scriptures, the Bible says, have great profit in doctrine or what is right, in reproof, what is wrong, in correction, how to get right, and instruction in righteousness, how to stay right in the Bible. He says, commit to faithfully teaching true to the scriptures. 
First of all, be confident your material is scriptural. Be confident your material is scriptural. Don't rely on what you heard a radio or a television preacher, <laughs> preacher teach. Make sure you can back it up in the scriptures. Is it firmly supported by God's word? I was listening to a message here in the car. I was going on the way home from church back in Rockford some time back. And it was a great message. I didn't hear a long part of it, but just the part I was hearing was a really a good evangelist preaching. And, and I was just getting to the invitation, the invitation of the message. I was really right there with them. And he, he made an invitation to the radio crowd, and he said, if you, if you want to know for sure that heaven is your home, you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and in the Book of Mormon. I said, excuse me? <laughs> Commit faithfully the truths of God's Word. Repeat the truth frequently. In 1 Timothy 4, 6, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. Repeat it. Repeat it. Repeat it. Say the same things over and over again. That's basically what you hear from me. Same old things, just, just, just repackaged. The same things. Get right with God. Study the Bible. Pray. Go to church. <laughs> same things. Paul repeated his warnings for three years in Acts 20 and 31. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. I just continued it up. I kept warning. I kept warning. I kept warning. Paul was burdened to remind his converts of truth. In 1 Corinthians 4, 17, For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son, and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. In 2 Timothy 1, 6, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance, that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. I'm reminding you, saying it over again, I'm continuing. Peter diligently reminded his audience of spiritual truth in 2 Peter 1.12, Wherefore, I will not be neg negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. Next. What's, what's our response to the attack of the end times? Cling to the word. In Titus 1.9, Holding fast the faithful word, as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. He knew the scriptures. Be able by sound doctrine to exhort and convince the gainsayers. Place great value on what you have learned from the word. Proverbs 23, 23. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. Then prioritize that which is good and cling to it. 1 Thessalonians 5.21, he says, Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. And then persevere with what you've been taught. Once you've been taught it, continue. 
Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. 2 Thessalonians 2.15, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. If you look too much out there, you're going to get discouraged. If you listen to the news too much, you're going to get migraines. <laughs> when we visited my kids there in South Carolina, when several times we'd go over and visit my son-in-law's folks. Great big, big screen TV up on the wall. Every time you go, it's got Fox News on it. 24-7. Not, I'm not bashing that, but it's always on. It's always on. It's always on. Which means I would be always awake. <laughs> when ulcers... You see, if we would spend more time finding out what God says and less about what the news says, I think we'd be better off. If we would find out the instructions that God tells us what to do in a perverse society, instead of just learning how perverse the society is, I think we'd be better off. If we would learn what God says, how to get through the end times, instead of continually listening to what's going on in the end times, I think we'd be better off. Cling to God's word. I think David said it well. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I will not sin against thee. Let's pray. I thank you, dear Lord, for loving us so much. I thank you for your mercy. And I thank you for giving us end times instruction. How you desire for us to live our lives and how to do so victoriously. Lord, I pray that you might help us to prioritize your word and may be a, a daily diet for each of us. And Lord, may we understand your priority of the body of Christ and not treat it lightly. And I pray, Lord, that you might help us to keep our eyes focused upon you, learning how you want us to get through and finding our strength from you instead of becoming so discouraged about what's going on out there. Lord, thank you for this time. We give you praise for it, for we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.